July 20th, 2016. I'm your podcast host, client manager John Niggle of InTouch Manufacturing Services. InTouch is an American-owned company headquartered in Shenzhen, China that specializes in everything from quality control product inspections to factory audits, social compliance, and sourcing. The topic of discussion today is defect destruction, the importer's guide, and joining me to talk about that is manager of client services, Oliver Knack. So welcome, Oliver. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, John. Good to be here. Awesome. So this podcast episode is based off a blog article that Oliver had written back in March earlier this year. Defect destruction is an interesting topic. It's one that most importers are not aware of. Maybe they're not worried about what their supplier might potentially do with product that they have rejected or have said to just simply throw out. So for some cases, product rework may not be feasible and similar cases may require that the product is destroyed. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll get into why some importers resort to defect destruction and give you guys some actionable tips for how to do that properly. So let's start out with why do importers sometimes resort to product destruction? The first reason that you mentioned in the article is to protect your brand from shoddy products. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so obviously defect destruction is the end of the line when uh, when all else fails. That means that product cannot be reworked. It's not uncommon at all that product is rejected on a first round inspection based on some quality issues or some non-conformances. But when there's really no other option, especially with branded product, then to ensure that product doesn't find its way into other companies' hands or be sold directly on the local market, then in our experience, clients have wanted to have that product destroyed and make sure that it's destroyed. You know, in the past, we've talked a little bit about product rework with some of the other client managers and when is it a good choice to do that? When is it better to just accept the defects as they are? But I think here we're talking more specifically about quality issues or product requirements that are affected throughout the entire order generally, right? That would be something like a logo that's poorly printed on an item or it's in the wrong place on an item or it has a spelling error in it or something like that that affects most or all of the order. Is that right? Yeah, so generally the defect destruction will apply to something that's a very unique product or something that's branded, has a popular brand on it and they don't want to have a poor quality representation of their brand on the market. For clients that are not in that situation where the the product doesn't really meet their requirements, but it's usable at least, sometimes in that situation, a client might reach a deal with the factory to buy it at a lower cost and they'll sell it at a discount to their customers or sell it to a factory second or something like that. Yeah, so this is relating to clients that cannot do that, like they need the product to be destroyed. Okay. The second possible reason why an importer might resort to product destruction is preventing competitors or maybe local markets from buying and selling that rejected inventory. And you sort of touched on that a little bit, but can you explain how that might be an issue for some importers? How might their product end up on the open market someplace, whether locally or elsewhere? Yeah, sure. So you will generally stand firm that you don't want to accept a second rate product. Why there's a chance that that product will still be used even when you reject it is the factory has invested time and material cost. So time being the cost of their people and then also the material cost that they paid for the materials to make those goods. And they won't want to lose that. They're out of pocket to a certain degree. Many clients pay sort of an upfront payment. So that might cover some of it. 
but there is potential that the factory is has some exposure to cost loss there and also they have this product there are ways to make some money off it whether it's can be sold at a full price or not especially nowadays with e-commerce in china it's very easy to advertise things online on things like taobao or if it's a, a factory that deals with several clients making a similar product they might offer yours to another company also a risk is that they'll slip the defective product in amongst good product on future shipments that's also an, a potential risk that could happen Okay, yeah, so you've mentioned a lot of things here related to the cost. I think these are all good points. You know, the factory has made somewhat of an investment in the raw materials, parts, and the time they've put into manufacturing the product. And as you said, they're probably familiar with competitors in the market internationally because they have other clients making the same thing. I mean, that's not always the case, but more often than not, I would say. And particularly if it's a product that can be sold locally, it's not too difficult for them to take something with like a small issue, particularly like a logo issue that we mentioned earlier that may not affect functionality or safety of the product and just sort of dump that on the local market or to a competitor elsewhere and really try and earn back some of that potential loss. So some good points there. Let's go into how to carry out product destruction. You bring up a few questions in the article that an importer considering destruction should ask before they proceed. And the first one is, can we resolve product issues through repair or rework? Why is that something that they should consider beforehand? Like we talked earlier on, defect destruction is the last resort. Destroying the product is the last resort. If there is at all any way that the product can be reworked to a reasonable standard that can be sold to your customers, then that is the preferred option. The factory doesn't lose money. You have a product that's acceptable to sell. So that should be always considered before going ahead with destroying the product. Okay, so product destruction is in some ways a little bit less convenient, and certainly there's a cost associated with losing that inventory. So they should definitely consider alternative solutions like rework repairs before they insist on destruction. The second question that you've asked here is, is the chosen destruction method thorough and effective? What do you mean by that? So there are obviously several ways to destroy something. But you will want to ensure that it's destroying the product to a level that really renders it useless, that it can't be sold to anyone else. I mean, that's the main concern. When selecting the method, that's obviously the main consideration. But also, the method needs to be practical in terms of how to achieve it. It needs to be cost-effective and, you know, it needs to be legal as well. One of the examples that I mentioned in the article was relating to some defective covers, like cushion covers. So it's a fabric product and the factory had suggested that they would just burn it. You know, that actually is in that area where the factory is. It's not legal to have an exposed fire outside. It's quite dangerous. So that option was not accepted by the client. So yeah, it needs to be cost effective, practical, and also render the product useless. One other point that you mentioned to consider is that the importer, the buyer, needs to consider possibly buying some of the product back or paying for the cost of materials to help with offsetting that cost for the factory. Is that right? Yeah, sure. So a factory is not going to want to destroy product for the reasons we mentioned before. You know, they have they've outlaid costs. They have some investment in these goods themselves. If the client, you know, insists on destruction, the factory might say, yeah, yeah, okay, that's fine. And then not do it. Then the client may insist on having it witnessed by a third party, or they might actually go to the factory and want to witness it themselves. But in that situation, the factory could be quite uncooperative and not agree or just drag the chain 
rain for a long time and nothing will happen with the goods. So what we have suggested to clients in the past and we've seen clients do this is they actually pay a nominal fee to the factory just to basically to take ownership of those defective goods so that the factory will be more cooperative to to really go through with the destruction of the product. Again, particularly relating to branded product when you really need to ensure that that product doesn't get out onto the market. Okay. Yeah. So taking ownership of the product means covering the the costs up to that point. But also I think you mentioned a little bit earlier that it's good to maybe cover the cost of the destruction as well. If they need to rent some equipment or have other costs associated with doing that, it's good to maybe cover those to give the factory some incentive to cooperate. The last question that you touched on is, will destruction be witnessed by a person you can trust or a party that you can trust? And why is that important? Yeah, so the factory will probably suggest that they'll just destroy the product and show you pictures, but that may not guarantee that all the products have been destroyed. So it's always recommended to, if you're planning on coming to China or wherever the factory is based, then you may witness it yourself. Or we have several times gone to factories just for the sole purpose of witnessing destruction of product. Okay, so it's important to have someone there, either someone internally from their own side of things or hire a QC firm or some similar party to go there and really make sure that it's done thoroughly and completely to make sure that there's no no defective product, as we said, maybe slipped into future orders or ending up on the market someplace else. So you've mentioned a few examples. You talked a little bit about fabric cushion cases. There's a few other examples here that you raised in the article. One of them is exercise gloves. So what was the case with that product and how did that client want them to be destroyed? Yeah, so those gloves, they were just generally not at the quality level that the client required. It was a branded product and just the general workmanship made on the gloves was poor. The reason actually for that particular case was that the factory had had a change in management a few months prior and the new management there'd just been a drastic drop in quality gradually over the months leading up to that order and that order was kind of the last straw for the client in terms of using that supplier so with that one they actually used industrial shredding machines and fed box by box through the shredding kind of like a mulching machine for trees when you cut them down they fed the gloves in and shredded them up into small pieces Okay, so in that particular case, partly a change in ownership was the cause there for the drop in quality. And again, sometimes equipment needs to be rented or supplied to see through that destruction process. Talked a little bit about the fabric cushion cases a little bit. What was the issue with that product and how did they go about finally destroying it? Yeah, so there were cushion cases. And for that particular job, it wasn't the whole order that was affected. It was a significant portion of the order. So what our inspectors were doing is, was sorting the good from the bad and then witnessing destruction of the bad. So the process of destroying that product was quite basic, uh, not like using machinery. It was just simply the factory workers using scissors to cut the cushion covers into pieces. That was quite a simple one. Do you remember what the quality issue was with those that had to be sorted out to be destroyed? Yeah, I believe from memory it was dimensional. They were too small and the stitching was really, really poor on some of them. That was the issue. Okay. The last example that you gave in the article was defective earbuds, like those smaller headphones. What was the issue there and how was that destroyed? Yeah, that's kind of a famous one within InTouch. Everyone knows about this job that we did because the report is quite interesting to read. 
But that one, it was earphones for iPods, something like that. They were made under license for a children's brand with the cartoon character printed on them. And the printing was really bad. The printing quality was really poor. And the colors were off in terms of what the colors should look like. They were off. That was the reason that they were destroyed. And the method was that they just basically tipped them into a big pile on the driveway out the front of the factory and got a steamroller for flattening roads and drove over them several times to crush them, to flatten them, and then took them away to the rubbish tip. Okay, so here, a problem with the appearance of the product, poor printing, again, difficult to remedy, will affect the brand image, and the client, the customer, ultimately decide to have those destroyed. In this case, albeit a strange method, a little bit, but whatever gets the job done. So, I guess the conclusion here, the overarching summary here for importers is, that sometimes, you know, importers do insist on destroying these rejected products to keep them off the market, to keep them perhaps from tarnishing their brand. And there's a few things that they need to keep in mind. Number one, if issues can be remedied through rework or some other method, that's generally a better route to take. Secondly, they need to make sure that if they're going to go through a destruction, that the method is going to work, it's going to be thorough and effective. And thirdly, they need to make sure that they have someone there to witness it, who can attest that it's been done in full and all the defective product has been destroyed to the point that it's useless or unsellable. Do you have anything else to add to that? No, that's pretty much it. Great. With that, I want to thank my guest, Oliver Knack, for joining me to talk about product destruction. So thank you, Oliver. Thanks, John. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in to today's broadcast and remind you guys to check us out on our social media channels, that is namely Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. We have some daily updates with tips and advice as well as industry news there. You can check out our YouTube channel for some interviews with industry experts and some online inspection videos. And finally, if you'd like to get in contact with us directly, you can drop us a line at our company website, that is www.intouchquality.com. Thank you.